0: Hello and welcome to the Epri Currents. I'm your host Samantha Gilman. Today we're going to talk about Epri's recent initiative, Climate Resilience and Adaptation Initiative, also called Climate Ready. I'm joined by the Director of Climate Ready, Morgan Scott, and Andreas Stide, who recently joined Epri as a senior technical leader supporting the initiative. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get started. First off, Morgan, we're coming up on the year anniversary of the launch of Climate Ready. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the initiative
1: is all about? Sure, and it's actually amazing to think that it's already been a year um, and really exciting. It's been incredible to watch us launch this initiative. So Climate Ready, which stands for Resilience and Adaptation Initiative, was launched because we really saw a need to better understand how to assess vulnerability across the power system when we think about both extreme weather and the way that the climate is changing over the long term. And so we saw that there was this need for a consistent approach for power companies and their stakeholders to take in order to do this type of assessment and then use that to inform the decisions that they're going to make about investments to enhance resilience. So we launched Climate Ready and it has three different work stream components. The first work stream is really focused on how to characterize the climate hazard itself, right? So what's the climate data that's available, the quality of that data and the suitability of that data to really assessing the power system itself. That feeds into work stream two, which focuses at the asset level on these questions around exposure and vulnerability. So creating that framework to assess exposure and vulnerability, think about potential options to address and mitigate for those risks, and then also think for new assets, what do we need to be doing to design them today in order to operate for decades to come? And then that pulls into the final work stream, which really gets us into systems-level thinking at a big-picture scale. Uh, and also is intended to develop guidance to help prioritize decision-making. So cost-benefit analysis tools and guidance to really inform the investment decisions, not just considering the climate questions here, but also the many factors that power companies have to balance when they make decisions, right? Reliability, safety, flexibility, Uh, decarbonization commitments, equity and environmental justice, right? That list goes on, but they're all important things to balance when we're making these decisions. So that's what Climate Ready is all about. And this comes to fruition uh, with a framework at the end of the three years of the initiative. But we're also really committed to putting out deliverables and technical resources throughout the three years that companies and those in the industry can use to inform their assessment activities today. And I I know that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today with one of the papers we recently put out.
0: That's right. Great way to tee it up, Morgan. Thank you. So Reddy recently came out with a new white paper titled "Cost and Benefits of Proactive Climate Adaptation in the Electric Sector. Andrea, I'd like you to tell us a little bit more about what this paper is about and why this was one of the first papers that came out of Climate Ready.
2: Sure, so this white paper actually compiles research from a number of studies that are looking to assess the value of proactive adaptation to climate change. We include a few examples from the electric sector And we also bring in some studies that look at other infrastructure sectors as well, such as road networks, rail networks, and coastal properties um, subject to flooding. The studies that we highlight have a consistent and very strong um, findings when it comes to the evidence of proactive adaptation. For example, there's a study by by Fantadol showing a 50% savings if you act proactively as opposed to assuming a static climate and being reactive. And there's also a study from the Canadian Climate Institute that finds even, even greater proportional savings with 80% of damage costs being avoided with proactive adaptation. Wow. So these are big numbers, especially when you think about the raw damage costs are on the order of billions of dollars per year, looking out to mid-century and beyond.
0: So I want to stop you there real quick. So I understand the, the concept of proactive investment, but what does proactive adaptation specifically
2: mean? To to put it simply, it means being forward-looking to prevent future damages as opposed to reacting only after damage has occurred. Mm. Um, so what this can mean in practice is changing your design criteria to uh, reflect the range of conditions that a component or an asset is expected to be exposed to based on future climate projections.
0: Got it. And... We're talking a lot about value and obviously resilience. It's in the title of Ready. What is the value of resilience, though? Especially, you know, we think about the communities and the customers who rely on reliable el- delivery of electricity. When they go to their light switch, whether it's bright and sunny outside mm-hmm. or storming, they want that light to turn on. So what what is the value of resilience? This
2: is a complicated question with, uh, you know, complicated and to answer, but, you know, when, when you think about the power system, which is what we're focused on here and resilience applies in many different areas outside of the power system as well. But the value, is, as you said, is really tied to customers having power when they want it or when they need it. Um, and you can think about this in a couple of ways. So from a residential standpoint, this value is going to be different depending on the customer. It can vary For example, based on whether a household has backup generation needed to ride through an outage, whether there are health-related dependencies on electricity, uh, or whether the customer has resources needed to recover any losses incurred by an outage. So not only can it vary by customer, but it can also vary based on when and where that outage occurs. For example... A warm spring day is very different from the middle of a heat wave. Um, and also how long it lasts, right? A one hour power outage is very different from a three or four day power outage that we sometimes see following hurricanes or other extreme events. And you can also think about resilience from a community perspective. So not only do customers need, or need to have power in some cases, But we also have to consider the ability to maintain critical functions, such as keeping hospitals online and fire stations online and things of that of that nature. And, you know, to be honest, it might be even more difficult to put a value on these because they are like truly essential services. Right. Like, how do you how do you price that? But if we think about what what that brings to a community in terms of having those, especially during an extreme event, when other things start going wrong, then we can better get at the true benefits of having a resilient and reliable power system. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of research happening right now that Ready is very much staying on top of that is aiming to refine our estimates of the societal costs of power outages. And this is the type of data that we are planning to use to better plan for resilience where it is needed the most. So this
0: is to both of you. Um, You mentioned earlier, Andrea, that there are a number of studies that are cited in this white paper who have been doing some research in this area, you know, putting numbers to what could be saved by proactive adaptation and proactive investment. But where are there limitations and where are there gaps and where is Climate Ready going to come in
2: and help create that complete picture? For the most part, these studies looked at widespread impacts across a region or um, or a country. And so this alone meant that their ability to represent details of assets was not quite at the level that we'd like to see for an individual company analysis. These studies also assumed that the adaptation measures can be implemented, which is honestly something we we see a lot of pushback on. Um, And what this means is that, you know, regulators are going to approve such investments and that they can happen quickly and you'll be able to reap those benefits immediately. And of course, this is not always the case um, in in practice. But I will say that one of the key limitations of these studies is one that actually helps our, our case. All of them have quite conservative estimates of the value of this adaptation itself. For one, they typically look only at damage costs and performance impacts, And this leaves out the societal impacts that we just talked about when it comes to truly valuing resilience from a customer and community perspective. Um, So if these societal costs are included, then, you know, the benefits of adaptation just start to look significantly higher. The other factor in terms of limitations is that they consider only a subset of future climate hazards. And this is due to the fact that climate models, especially on a global scale, do not typically capture more localized weather events, such as hurricanes, floods, or ice storms. Um, And as we know from experience and as we've seen in the past, these events are often the most costly. Um, So by improving our analysis in, you know, in any one of these areas, then, you know, we feel that the case for proactive adaptation really only gets stronger. Um, And yeah, Climate Ready is going to aim to fill all of these gaps if we can and sort of work to prioritize which ones we think are most impactful.
1: Yeah, Andrea put that so nicely. So I I won't add too much more, but I think the one thing I do want to stress here is the value of resilience conversation is critically important and missing, right, in many respects. And I would suggest also we really need to be thinking about the future value of resilience as well, right? So not only is it difficult to understand what that societal value of resilience is now, But as society continues to depend more and more on electricity as a final fuel, as a result of electrification in order to meet decarbonization commitments, that value of resilience is only going to continue to increase, right? And so understanding the extent to which that increases, what that means, and then really thinking about this whole question is future looking, right? What do the projections tell us about what The future climate might look like, well now how do we become resilient to that and how do we take that future value of resilience into that decision making process, right? Those are all questions that we are exploring together in Climate Ready. We really need to think about because we have to be forward thinking, we have to be thinking in the future, in order to make these decisions today.
0: Well, it sounds like there is a lot for us to work on as an organization and an industry with Climate Ready. Morgan, last time I checked, were there 35 members of Climate Ready?
1: I'm, I'm really pleased to say that actually we're up to 37. So um, we're really lucky. We launched uh, last year with 14 members, which was a really strong foundation. Um, And over the past year, we've continued to grow that collaboration. And it's a great opportunity to have that kind of practitioner input into the development of the work. That's one of the critical aspects of this collaborative model we work on. Um, It's also really valuable in terms of the type of conversation that we're able to foster where there's a lot of good peer-to-peer exchange um, with EPRI representatives and, and subject matter experts as well as others that we're bringing into this conversation.
0: So speaking of the launch and our founding members, how did energy companies and the industry lead to this initiative? And what has the response been thus far?
1: Yeah, well, so let's remember this research on grid resilience isn't new to EPRI, right? EPRI has been around for 50 years. We've been doing this research for over a decade. So we had a strong technical foundation to build upon, which is fantastic. Further, we were getting questions from members, right? This is where this comes from, is we were getting more and more questions from power companies saying, hey, we're having these these extreme weather events and we know we need to plan for them. We know we need to understand our system better. We're getting questions from our own stakeholders. What are the resources that are out there? We're getting more capable in terms of the science behind these climate projections. the way that we can understand local climate hazards, right? There are regional questions here, and some of these impacts are hyper-local in the way that we need to think about them. And more than ever before, we can actually understand that because of advancements in this modeling and, and the way that we can downscale and, and localize data. So we were getting a lot of questions and that's why we knew that you know we can take this work further we can create this initiative that will build upon the foundation of work we have, but accelerate it by coming together and bringing together a large collaborative. And that's what we've done, right? So we mentioned the 37 power companies. We're talking with others. I look forward to that number growing. But the other side of the collaboration is with what we call our Climate Ready Affinity Group. So we recognize that there are organizations with a wide variety of experience and expertise that are not power companies, but can really enhance the value of this effort, the conversations and the framework development itself. And so we've been really focused on how do we bring those voices to the table? And today our affinity group has over 30 organizations that are a part of that. So that includes the regulatory community, right? So we're really pleased that we've been engaging with NARUC and and bringing in regulators to the conversation. It includes the National Labs, right, where um, we're starting work with, and um, I'm really excited about some um, workshops that we're going to be announcing soon in partnership with the National Labs. So little t is there. It includes NOAA. So some of you might have seen uh, that we signed an MOU with NOAA last summer. That's going to be an amazing partnership as we really have NOAA that has all of these tools and resources, and they can help us to fill some of the data gaps that we identify. It includes codes and standards bodies, academia, environmental NGOs, right, uh, consultants. There's a wide variety of types of organizations that are coming to the table. And, and that's what really excites me, too, is that this framework is going to be so well informed because of that perspective that we're bringing to the table. So I think that will really enhance what we're doing here in the end.
0: And it really gets to one of EPRI's core tenets of collaboration. When facing the challenge like this, we're stronger together and being able to bring all those stakeholders that you just mentioned to the table to make sure that we can build the strongest framework is key. So, with that, Morgan, Andrea, i really enjoyed hearing about Climate Ready, but I want to give you an opportunity to tell us any final thoughts, something I may not have asked, maybe a key little tidbit or fun fact, um, anything to leave with our listeners? I don't have a fun fact,
2: but I, I am, I just want to reiterate Morgan's excitement, right? Like this is a very exciting project to be working on. I think that we are bringing all the right pieces together with a team dedicated to climate data, a team dedicated to asset vulnerabilities and a team dedicated to really how all of those pieces come together at the system level. And so, you know, we are going to integrate and uh, integrate these, these three teams and, you know, really hope to find some, Um, impactful studies that will benefit our members and benefit the energy industry going forward.
1: Yeah, I think two things I'll say. One is something that a member told me that that continues to stick with me. And then the second is get involved. Right. But I had a member really say to us, you know, we're really excited about this because this moves us from a conversation around gold plating to a gold standard. And I really thought that was like such a nice, succinct way of putting this. When we think about how we make the power system more resilient to extreme weather in a changing climate, it's not about gold plating. It's about how can we create a gold standard for the way that we approach these questions and really think from a scientifically defensible and technically rigorous way about the vast Uh, array of solutions that are available to us and really choose the ones that make the most sense for particular regions and companies for a wide variety of reasons, right? And that is what this framework is intended to be. So I really loved the way that was phrased and it's something that um, really resonates with me and, and perhaps will resonate with others as they think about what Climate Ready is looking to achieve. And then the second piece is get involved, like I said, right? So we talked about the EPRI collaborative model and that this is really what we're intending to do with Climate Ready. And so I really encourage our audience, if you're listening to this and you're not involved, but you think this is something that's interesting and important to you, you know, reach out to us. We have our website, we have our email, at climatereadyatepri.com. And we really want to make sure that as many voices are represented in this research as possible. So we'd love to have you join us and encourage you to do so.
0: Well, thank you, Morgan. Thank you, Andrea, for joining the EPRI Current today. If our listeners are interested in more information about Climate Ready, you can go to EPRI.com backslash ready. And we will hear from you and join you on our next episode of the EPRI Current. Thanks. Thanks, Samantha. Thank you.
2: If you like today's show, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast and feel free to share the podcast with your colleagues and friends. For more information about EPRI, please visit our website at www.epri.com. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at EPRI News. Together, we are shaping the future of energy.